Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry and of course this is my co-host. I am another Chris. I am Chris Huddleston. And today we are very excited to be talking to you about the Robert Zemeckis comedy. I don't even know how to label this movie. I guess a comedy. Horror comedy. Comedy horror. horror. Comedy. Death Becomes Her. Don't you know that it's worth every treasure on earth to be young at heart? Some people will go to any length to stay young forever. Is that someone? It's Madeline Ashton. Oh, she was a big star in the 60s. I thought she was dead. Oh, madam, you look younger every day. Thank you, Rose. But Madeline Ashton and her old friend, Helen Sharp. I've lost men to her before. Are about to go too far. A touch of magic. Drink that potion, and you'll never grow even one day older. Bottoms up. No warning. Now a warning. Siempre viva! Live forever! Ernest, I'm in the morgue. They think I'm dead. You are. But you're not. Are you telling me it doesn't hurt when I do sure. this? It doesn't hurt. She's dead! She's dead, Ernest. Now he's dead. He's dead? Oh, Ernest oh, is oh. dead? Everybody's dead! You pushed me down the stairs. I'm so sweaty. I don't think it's sweat, honey. I think you're defrosting. Universal Pictures presents Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, it's a miracle, and Goldie Hawn. Look at me, I'm soaking wet. Death becomes her. I just have to make a telephone call. Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Hoddleston? I do. So as you said, this was directed by Robert Zemeckis. And it stars Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, Goldie Hawn, Isabella Rossellini. And Rossellini. When a novelist loses her man to a movie star and former friend, she winds up in a psychiatric hospital. Years later, she returns home to confront the now married couple looking radiant. Her ex-husband's new wife wants to know her secret and discovers that she has been taking a mysterious drug which grants eternal life to the person who drinks it. The actress follows suit but discovers that immortality has a price. So had yeah. you had you previously that's not a bad description. Had you previously seen this and what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking an Upside Dawn by Athletic Brewing Company. It is a non-alcoholic beer. Oh, ah, it's delicious! Delicious. Uh, it, uh, you know, it's point whatever point five point five or something like that. Yeah, actual beer that then they reduce the alcohol. It's not one of these new zero-proof spirits that they make that entails mm-hmm. no alcohol whatsoever. I think, as non-alcoholic beer goes, this is among my favorite nice because a lot of non-alcoholic beer for a long time was not great tasting and maybe they will sponsor us 
Maybe they will. <laughs> what's what's the giving, brewing company? I'm giving again? A free ad here. <laughs> yes. What are what are they called again? What's athletic, the brewing company? Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing Company. Okay. Athletic Brewing Company. If you're watching or listening, please we would welcome your sponsorship. Yeah. I haven't even tasted the beer. That's how much I'm willing to sell out. It's just, you would love it. <laughs> we've already <laughs> nobody watches this, so we've already sold out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I saw, I saw this, um, I saw this when I was a kid and I, mm -hmm. I realized rewatching it as an adult that, uh, a lot of it would have just gone squarely over my head as a kid, which I think I did. I mean, I think, I, I think, I think there's stuff that, uh, is clearly supposed to be funny mm -hmm. that I still don't find, I mean, I get it. And I'm not going to hate on it, but it didn't make me laugh. I, I didn't, it didn't really, a lot of the, the bits didn't really land with me. And I want to get into why in a minute. But so I think as a kid, you know, my kid's sense of humor was expecting, you know, slapstick, yuck, yuck, yucks or something and felt let down by that. But there's a lot about, um, We've mentioned before Zemeckis is sort of likes to send up Hollywood itself and uh, he's a plastic the husband's a plastic surgeon and these are people in LA who want to look forever young and there's just a lot of LA social um, trope stuff at work in this movie that uh, that I think would have gone completely past me as a kid and that wouldn't have made any sense um, now had you seen have you seen this recently no no i so we're the same age um so yeah i saw this whenever it came out on video so i imagine so this was a 1992 release so i think it was probably sometime in 92 when i when i saw this uh for the first time and i don't and i i remember liking it <clears throat> but i i do not think i had watched this since that time if if i if i watched it another time it was probably close to when it came out you know might have watched it a second might have watched it on tv or something i i don't really remember watching it other than that initial viewing so yeah like you said it it's it's interesting because you know i remember enjoying it then but it you know it's it's interesting to revisit these films especially with a storyline like this because you know this is about getting older and wanting internal youth and all of that and at you know at teen we were teens when we saw this the first time and that's meaningless to you you're just like eh, you know i'm gonna live forever <laughs> yeah i look great i feel great you know i don't think i thought that at the time but watching it you're like wow okay if somebody you know, offered me something like this. And it's just like, you could just stay. Cause I mean, I will definitely admit to thinking at times, okay, you know, I'm in pretty decent health. I'm in decent shape for my age. You know, I've got gray hair and all that. It'd be great if I could just not even go back to 20 years old, if I could just stay this age and not age anymore, you know? <laughs> so, right. uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but um, watching this. So <clears throat> it was my idea to watch this. This one popped into my head because of this recent uh, news that came out that 
Bruce Willis was retiring because he has this disease where, you know, it's robbing him of, of his speech and ability to understand speech and text and all of this. And, but I, I think this, this movie is interesting to watch because most people think of Bruce Willis, you know, when Bruce Willis dies, the first thing they're going to say is die hard, right? Um, that's what he's known for. But our first uh, exposure to him would have been the show Moonlighting mm-hmm. that nobody ever talks about. It, I, you know, I never, I don't know if it's, you know, you have all these old classic shows that are shown all the time and on streaming services. I, I don't know if you can watch Moonlighting anywhere. You probably can, but it's and he did more comedies after Die Hard, but and Die Hard has got a lot of humor in it. It it does have humor in it, but he was one of those guys who could who could do uh, action and do dramatic roles. But man, he is a great comedic actor. He, he I think he's really all three of them are really good in this. You know, you have uh, Meryl Streep who most people are not going to think comedy with her. You know, you're going to think dramatic roles. Um, uh, you know, in, in, in saying uh, Meryl Streep is a genius is hardly uh, a daring comment, right? I think right. America, the world appreciates what a cinematic treasure Meryl Streep is by, by this point. But, um, you know, when you see her in material like this, um i just i every time i saw her on screen every single take she did i bet and i didn't do my homework on this but i bet that's her really singing that's what i thought as well yeah because she's a dynamite singer well let, let me let me stop you there for just one second so watching so the opening of the movie it's 1978 i think and she's doing this broadway show and Bruce Willis and Goldie Hawn are there in the audience and people are getting up and walking out. And as somebody, you know, I've never been a gigantic fan of, of Broadway musicals or anything like that, but it's viewed as like, this is really terrible. And I'm watching it thinking, this is pretty great. You know, I mean, it's silly, but she's singing and dancing. And, and I, I can't imagine people actually going to this Broadway show and just getting up and walking out and say you know what i mean did you feel that way well i i thought that it's clearly supposed to be a really corny review that's like a vanity piece for the right star but, but i did think that she is so luminous like you yeah. just you can't tear your eyes off of meryl streep and she's playing you know someone who's kind of hamming it up and in flashing little glares at people who like get in her way and stuff Mm -hmm. but she's so good you're like i I don't know i would watch that all night oh yeah for sure and and like and i was thinking exactly the same thing that you were thinking um i i thought this was her singing i think i bet it was i don't i haven't and she has sung in other films so uh you know the one where she was like florence foster jenkins did you see that one much more recent. Do you remember, you know what I'm talking about? Florence Foster Jenkins was a New York socialite who loved the opera and fancied herself. An opera. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with it, but I haven't seen it. 
that is a master performance. Uh, oh, okay. She sings badly, terribly, in the funniest. I can't describe to you how, you know, like I, like they talk about um, Lucille Ball and uh, other actresses who played the kind of uh, dum dum, mm-hmm. and and how sharp you have to be to let the other person be the straight person and you're the dum-dum like and and be convincing at that like how good you have to be to be the buffoon and and really sell that and and uh she does it singing so she's actually a phenomenal like singer who can sing opera stuff and that's clear Mm -hmm. she sings it herself it's clear in this movie but it is also horrible and it is horrible in a way that is hilarious like mm-hmm. there's so many layers of that is so hard to do stacked on one another i you got to watch that movie just to see that performance it's i mean okay. i thought it was a really good movie but it's you know it's sort of a chamber piece it's not anyway check it out um okay anyway, uh yeah yeah i i it starts off uh, i don't remember where we're going with this i i thought you know the 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 movie tells the story clearly that Everyone thinks this is a stinker, right? Mm-hmm. They're getting up and leaving. Bruce Willis, uh, this character, uh, is sitting in the audience, loves it, standing ovation, just mm-hmm. smitten. Uh, and, you know, uh, he leaves his wife for her. And it turns out the two of them, the two women, have a longstanding uh, friend. Kind of rivalry. Yeah. yeah friend frenemy so situation. Yeah. They hate each other. Right? Um. Yeah. So the other we should say is Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn, who who again, sort of the the reverse of Meryl Streep. You know, she's always been viewed as kind of a comedic actress, though she's done you know some dramatic roles there. But uh, all three of them, I think, are great. I mean, this is pretty slapsticky, broad kind of comedy, but I I think they all do a great job with it. Yeah. And, and since you mentioned that, I mean, so, so one thing is, you know, Goldie Hawn, Hollywood actresses are good looking, but there mm-hmm. are moments in this that I was just really struck by how um, stunning Goldie Hawn is like, she has almost Betty Davis eyes. She has these remarkable eyes. Um, It was fun. Part of it was sort of a Hollywood boulevard. It was sort of an homage to a different era of grand, um, you know, Hollywood, you know, knife in the back cinema Mm -hmm. of, you know, the grand dame and the divas. So there's a lot going on in this movie. I think, I think what, where it kind of, where it kind of, didn't work for me was there's an enormous amount of practical stuff that they do and then they they sort of cgi it together but the cgi wasn't where it is now so the right. CGI they had to be kind of sparing with the the women uh drink the potion of life and youth they look young and beautiful uh but so they're immortal and but their bodies seem to actually get more and more brittle as the as the movie goes on 
right? I mean, at one now, point, the thing is, so they in the pieces. <laughs> yeah, so they eventually they they die, and so they're continually getting hurt and you know chipped away at and everything. And um, and there's you know you see it in the trailer if you watch the trailer, Goldie Hawn gets a hole blown in her a shotgun, mm-hmm. perfectly circular hole where the camera moves and you can see right through her and Meryl Streep gets her head. She gets whacked in the face with a shovel and it spins her head around. So she's backwards and she's trying to walk backwards. And I actually thought that was horrifying. I thought that mm-hmm. scene was like a very effective blend of like a funny movie that is also playing with horror tropes, being mm-hmm. successful at kind of being both things because her performance is a comic performance it's how would a woman who you know hates looking like a fool you know try to walk in a dignified way if her head was literally on backwards and Mm -hmm. something about the cgi and the way it's doing that made it seem incredibly alien and uncanny valley i was just exactly yeah i was like oh i don't i don't like that at all Mm -hmm. you know it just it's a long scene. She's sort of staggering around. I, you know, Bruce Willis is horrified, is backing away from her. I don't, you know, I like Bruce Willis. I didn't, I didn't feel like him playing the sort of uptight. I, I didn't, this was not a role in which I felt he shined. Oh, okay. And that that's not saying I don't think he did a good job playing the character that he was probably being directed to play. Uh, we, when we talked about time bandits, we we mentioned Sean Connery got to play um, Agamemnon, I think it was, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And he did, he didn't have a lot to do except he didn't have a lot to say except be charming, and he mm-hmm. just radiated charm, right? And and that's kind of what I mean by shine. It's just you just right. sort of like all you have to do, Sean, is be charming. He's like, no problem. <laughs> And he just <laughs> radiated it. And Bruce Willis, you know, is any Hollywood star is capable of radiating that kind of charisma if you give them the the role for it. And I just felt like he was playing so sort of buttoned up and straight laced, playing an, a man of no imagination so hard that none of that star power really shone through. You know, and I, I get it. Yeah, he's playing against type because he's not. This guy is not cool in any way. Right. No. You know. And, and so I just thought, not hey, what the hell are you doing casting Bruce Willis in this part? But as a director, finding some way to let some of that natural uh, looseness he had, particularly in those early years with comic mm-hmm. timing and stuff, let some of that looseness looseness out through the character. Instead of him being so like he seemed perpetually like, you know, once and, they once the two of them die, once the, the women die, he's just nervous the whole time, essentially, you know, he's just running yeah. around like, you know, being scared and nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but do, do you, does that not does that not make sense to you what I said? Or it does. Just, yeah. Mm hmm. I, I guess I just felt like I wanted more. I, I could know because the other the two women. um we're having such fun uh, chewing the furniture that I wanted to see Bruce Willis have more fun chewing the furniture. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think maybe it was just, a, I don't know if it was choices the actor made or choices the director made or both, but I, I, I hungered for it. I wanted more. Yeah. Most of the, I would say most of the uh, laughs that I got in this were from Bruce Willis. Like the one line that actually made me laugh out loud is so he, he, uh, he pushes Meryl Streep down the stairs and then that's when she breaks her neck and her head's on backwards and all that. And uh, to come back to that for just a moment, you know, we're 30 years out from this movie coming out, being released. So these, these effects were cutting edge at the time. And the, the whole through Goldie Hawn, that, that's really effective now. You definitely, I mean, you, you hit the, the nail right on the head, exactly my thoughts as far as Mer Meryl Streep. There's definitely an uncanny valley thing with it. And I imagine that today, you know, if I knew how to do it, I could probably do that effect on my Mac and it looked better than it did then. But at the time, but, you know, but watching it now, it's not like, wow, this looks terrible. It's just weird, basically, you know. Um, and there's not a ton of, of CGI in this. You know, there's probably just a couple of scenes where they're, they're doing that. But um, anyway, so he pushes her down the stairs. Um, she and uh, she's dead. She has no pulse. And then he, he calls Goldie Hawn, you know, what are we going to do? And then that's when she she gets up and he he takes her to the hospital and the doctor is played by. Um, <laughs> that's a great scene. Yeah, the, the doctor. I can't believe I don't remember his so name. So what is his name? I'm not seeing him in the. Uh, uh, anyway, we'll come back to it. But um, so he he takes her to the hospital and she's dead. And um the doctor you know this other doctor examines examines him examines her and he's like you know she has no heartbeat and all this so he goes he's like i'm gonna go out and get a second opinion and so bruce willis goes out to you know find where the doctor is and there he's had it the doctor's had a heart attack and all the other doctors are working on him in the er and uh so bruce willis goes back in and there's another doctor who, you know, he, her body is gone now and he's panicked and he's like, you know, where is she? My wife was in here. And uh, she says, and the doctor says, well, she's dead. You know, you're going to have to prepare for the, you know, the grieving process or whatever. And he was like, where is she? And uh, she says, she's in the morgue. And he goes, the morgue, she'll, she'll be furious. <laughs> that line made me laugh. <laughs> there were a couple others with, with Bruce Willis, but um I don't know. I just, I, I really like his, his delivery in this. Like I say, everybody is broad, you know, is, is, is pretty broad in this, but, but I, I that was a line that I really enjoyed. I gotta, you, you talk now, I gotta, I gotta, it's going to drive me crazy who the, who that actor is. Yeah. He's in a bunch of stuff and he's terrific. Um, so I talk now. Um, you talk now. Oh, you talk, You were talking about Werner Herzog, um, and I was telling you, uh, just before we started recording, I started to tell you that my favorite Werner Herzog impersonation is not uh -huh. that actually sounds the most like Werner Herzog, because there are people that can do a spot on Werner Herzog. Mm -hmm. This was a YouTube video that our listeners could probably look up if they wanted to. Somebody did... 
impersonations of of Werner Herzog, uh, and this is just made up. Uh, Werner Herzog reading "Where's Waldo?" like reading children's books. <laughs> you know, and "Where's Waldo?" Uh-huh. I, does I don't think "Where's Waldo?" has any words. Any words in it? But yeah, it's, it's just all pictures. pictures I think find Waldo, but but it's Werner Herzog sort of narrating, and it's you know it just shows the pages of "Where's Waldo?" and. and uh, and it's this existential, like, sometimes he seems impossible to find. <laughs> Other times he seems hardly to try. <laughs> and then there's, there's like a little, I don't know where's Waldo. There's a little wizard that's in someone. Like, who is this man who follows him? <laughs> it just goes on and on about the existential, like what, the inner life of this wanderer who <laughs> you know that's great and yet he will not depart you know forever seeking to evade our view and yet <laughs> remaining with us page after page <laughs> i don't know i just it, i went back that's I great i love that at the time i thought it was brilliant um that has nothing that's to awesome with death becomes her but Sydney Pollock is the actor. Oh, Sydney Pollock, of course. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's a it's a physical relief. <laughs> Same. Uh, so Sydney Pollock is the doctor. That scene, I thought that did make me laugh out loud. Yeah. Just he's trying to be hale and hearty and make sense of all this, you know. But uh, yeah. she's dead. It's he's just like this goes against everything, you know. I believe. And Isabella uh, Rossellini playing seventy something, but. Oh, and she's gorgeous. Oh my God, she's gorgeous. And you know, and she she convinces uh, Meryl Streep to drink this glowing pink potion that is the potion of life. And as soon as she gulps it down, she sort of glows and she goes, "Ah!" And Isabel says, "Now a warning." Is <laughs> <laughs> like, "Now you warn me." Now a warning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, that was another thing that that was another part that I laughed at with Bruce Bruce Willis is so uh, Isabella Rossellini tries to get him to take it and he starts to, you know, he starts and and right. she does the same thing with Meryl Streep uh, and him where she pricks their finger and then puts a little bit of the potion on there and then they turn their hands over, you know, they have these age spots and then they go away. And that made me curious. I thought, you know, at 30 years ago, did, did Bruce Willis have these age spots? And so I looked it up. He was 37 in this film and he's playing at this point, like he's supposed to be, I don't know, in his fifties, I guess. Yeah. Um, Mustache and Goldie Hawn was 47 and looking like damn good for 47. 47. Wow. And Meryl Streep was 43. So, um, Anyway, so uh, Isabella Rossellini tries to get him to take the potion and he starts to and he's like, wait a minute. If I live forever, he's like, what if I get bored? <laughs> what if I'm lonely? <laughs> this is terrible. This, you know, which his uh, his delivery with that made me laugh, too. I, I thought that was funny. It was never clear to me in the movie. Maybe I just missed it. I mean, why Isabella Rossellini is trying to get, I mean, is she just the devil? Is it, there's no clear motivation as to, she's clearly evil and she's clearly right. malicious, you know, and this is clearly a curse in disguise. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than being this sort of mysterious person in kind of a Masonic mansion, you know, uh, 
it, it, it and she has these grand you know I'll live forever you know it, uh so you get it we get it but we, we i never i was like why does she want these little? I, I wondered that as well and it's it's not that. like there she's a vampire or something right. where it's like oh they're gonna do this and then she's gonna drain the life force from them or something yeah they're, i'm like what's the quid pro quo i don't what are you getting out of this yeah and they do a con another thing that it's silly but um another thing that they do is uh you know there's at the end it's like there's this big party at her castle or mansion or whatever and Elvis is there, Marilyn Monroe. But that's another uh, fun thing. Yeah, is, is all the people that have, she goes on this monologue is some people fake their own deaths and some people, right. you know, change and start a whole new life. So they go to this party and you get this wonderful like Hollywood Boulevard body doubles, people playing James right. and, and Elvis is a funny one. So she tells them the the so that yeah there's Elvis there's Marilyn Monroe there's uh, uh, Jim Morrison there's um, uh, Rebel Without a Cause uh, James Dean um, so but what made me laugh about that is and again it's it's just a gag in the movie but it's like Elvis is dressed in his 70s outfit you know 20 years later Marilyn Monroe it's whatever 40 years later and she's you know she's dressed the same and it's like they would just like never right. get new clothing or anything so, but yeah. so the so the catch with it is uh which doesn't seem like a bad catch to me uh is that she tells them that you get 10 years and and 10 years is the time that it's like okay, you can continually look your age for 10 years. And then that's the point at which people would start to be like, hey, how do, how do they still look so young? And so at that point, then you have to disappear. Uh, you fake your death or you go and live on an island or whatever. And which again, doesn't seem like a bad, a bad catch to me. And there doesn't, you know, as long as you don't. So we see with these characters, what happens if you die um, and you're immortal, but if you can manage not to be in an accident or get shot or something like that, it doesn't seem like a bad deal, you know, because there, there don't seem to be any other uh, side effects or, or anything other than that, you know, because Marilyn Monroe looks like Marilyn Monroe. Um, so, you know, I just remember the other performance that I thought was really fantastic is the actor who plays the Merovingian in the Matrix movies. Mm hmm. Remember, he's the kind of concierge at the at the she goes in for a little um, blood transfusion work or whatever. And the nurse is like, <laughs> we can only do it once a year or something like that. And, and she was like, it's been almost that long. And she's like, you were here three weeks ago. <laughs> and then the guy comes in, he's like, oh, just, just leave, 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 leave. And he's like, well, you know, there are some, and he has this tick that starts happening. Yeah, yeah. What eyelid <laughs> is really funny. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that bit with my eyelid. And he keeps kind of like, yes, we will, we will see. We will. <laughs> yeah. And he's so creepy and funny. I thought that character really nails the horror comedy. Like, right. He is genuinely creepy in a scary movie way in an ominous way and it's hilarious mm -hmm. and i thought i think the whole movie i think the whole movie was going for that tone which is 
that's ambitious. I mean, that it's hard. It's hard mm-hmm. to nail that. Even masters of, you know, comedy, blending comedy and horror, like Sam Raimi, it's not a perfect, you know what I mean? It's a cocktail yeah. where some stuff tips hard one way or hard the other. And it's a kind of a collage of the, of, of, you know, uh, from on both sides of the line with occasional harmonics when you hit something that is both. But I feel like this movie was really trying to walk that tightrope most of the time. Like it right. was really trying to be this grand Hollywood thing that was funny because we're watching it and we get the reference, but also we're supposed to really be in it and feel horrified in the way that Bruce Willis is as a character within the film. Right. Um, and there was only a couple of times I thought that was really successful. Uh, Another really, just a really subtle little thing in that scene that you're talking about with that guy. So Meryl Streep goes in and there's a young woman who, who, who waits on her first and she is seemingly French, but I'm, I'm watching it. I'm thinking, man, this, this French accent is terrible. Yeah. And so then you must not come into the bubble. Yeah. So then, uh, uh, the girl doesn't realize that that guy is in the room and she turns around and is startled and her fake and her, her French accent goes away. So <laughs> it was, you know, it was just a put on. So it's like, okay. And that was just a really subtle little thing that, that I, you know, th- that I found kind of funny that it's like, yeah. okay, this is uh it was this kind of a little layer there that was, that was, that was interesting. But so um, one thing about this, so, Robert Zemeckis was one of the producers and, and maybe I should have looked this up, but maybe directed some of the episodes, I think of tales from the crypt. So Mm -hmm. he was one of the, there were four or five big directors at the time, big filmmakers who were behind that show. And this was, uh, was meant to be a tales from the crypt movie. I don't know why they, they dropped that and just made it, you know, it's a standalone thing. But it it very much has that feel of Tales from the Crypt, you know, because those were always um, always horror comedy, yeah. And it's and it's very much that old school. Um, it has this great score with strings, um, and you know you have the kind of big spooky castle, and there's a lot of lightning in this, and it's a very old school horror kind of feel, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to love in it. Um, I, I'm i not sure. <sighs> you know, I kind of feel like it's like sometimes you'll make a chili or a soup or something like that, and you'll eat it and it's good. It's good. But it's better the next day because all the flavors have kind of come together and blended and there's a depth of all of the different flavors that have melded together. Do you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Oh, sure. Um, and I, I almost feel like this is um, first day chili where you're like, there's mm-hmm. lots of love in this, but it didn't, it didn't quite come together in a way that I saw that it meant to, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a, that's a subtle cri- criticism of it. I mean, I enjoyed watching it. What do you think would have made it better? I, that's just it. I don't know that I can. I know you wanted a different, it was most kind of a different performance from Bruce Willis. You know, you make a movie and you make it in pieces and you 
most of the time you make it completely out of sequence. And, uh, you know, you then you try and put it all together in post. And I think unless I feel like a director like Denny Villeneuve or uh, Peter Jackson that have done big immersive, they create worlds and they with a fantasy world, a really good director like that, I imagine, goes out of his or her way uh, to make sure that everybody is on the same page uh, of the of the important universal aspects of this scene, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't understand the relationship between elves and dwarves going into this scene, that director is going to make sure that that's clear to you so that when, you know, so it's believable. Um, mm -hmm. And when you're doing a movie that's set in Hollywood or whatever, but it's undead people, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's just that I didn't feel like everyone was quite exactly on the same page in every scene of what, mm -hmm. you know, that, that Meryl Streep was uh, treating the reality of the scene uh, in this way. And Goldie Hawn, who was also in the scene, was treating the reality of the scene in a slightly different way. And Bruce Willis, not just that he would be horrified, she would be angry, and she would be jealous, but that the three of them in, in a given scene were in slightly different realities. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I'm kind of feeling this out as I go. Because, uh, I mean, I'll cut to the chase. I, I, I would recommend people see this movie. I'm not going to thumbs down uh, this movie. I enjoyed it. I'm just, I enjoyed it enough that I, I, it made me wish. I thought it was good. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I thought it, it could have been great. And I'm trying to figure out what about it made me feel a little disappointed that it wasn't that I didn't feel it was gr more great. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. Yeah. Um, the movie, I didn't go into it with crazy expectations either. I just um, sometimes it's that you expect a thing to be great and it doesn't meet your expectations. And you're like, oh, I wanted that to be better. And you're like, yeah, but it was what was the problem with it? And you're like, I oh, guess it was okay. I just wanted it to be better. But I didn't feel that way going into this. I, if anything, I remembered as a kid being nonplussed by it and was really delightfully surprised at the performances. Mostly I was right. in particular. Yeah. Cause I was just like, look at her go. <laughs> I I'd say I pretty much felt, I mean, my, my, uh, feelings were similar i maybe liked it more than you did i remember not loving this movie the first time i saw it um and just thinking it was was pretty good but but not great so i had you know not super high expectations going in but i really really enjoyed this this time now i i definitely you know i have nostalgia for movies from this time and and you know movies that i have have not seen or it's been a long time uh, since I've seen from this period, early nineties, I really enjoy revisiting. So there's some of that. Um, but it kind of, I, you know, it's, it's a hard balance to strike, but the really good, uh, horror comedies I'm a big fan of. So things like, uh, you know, American werewolf in London or, uh, Shaun of the dead. Um, you know, those are two of the best ever, but uh, it's it's a genre when when they hit 
I really, really enjoy. And what's Robert Zemeckis, you know, we did um, Romancing the Stone recently, another comedy that he did. Um, You know, just like I brought up with Bruce Willis with Die Hard, this is not the film that Robert Zemeckis is going to be remembered for. I mean, I think people like this movie overall, but, you know, it's going to be Forrest Gump and the Back to the Future movies for the most part with him. You know, those definitely overshadow this, but he's a really, really great director. And this film looks great. The the look of it is excellent. And it's, you know, it's really well-directed in terms of the cinematography and the... The you know we don't uh, this would have been a pretty significant budget I would imagine or it looks pretty expensive yeah so we don't get a lot of big budget horror comedies um, especially now I mean it's not just something that you really too much think of as like hey this is a genre that people are going to rush out to the theater for. I'm trying, I mean, I'm cabin in the woods, maybe I'm trying to think of a recent one that had some budget. And I mean, I don't know what the budget on that was, but there was certainly a lot of, um, you know, it got some, some buzz when it came out. Was that like yeah. 10 years ago now? How long? It was something like that. Yeah. That was an interesting production because it was delayed for a couple of years for whatever reason it, they put it in the can and I, I don't think they thought people were going to like it and, I don't think it made a ton of money on its release, but it's definitely kind of a cult, you know, has a big yeah. cult following. Yeah. That, um, that final scene, that final yeah. climax of the movie is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, we could talk about that one sometime. I mean, that's yeah. Right. That'd be great. I haven't watched it. A lot. I have the Blu-ray of that, that I don't think I've ever played. Oh really? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the name of the guy? There's the actor that um, is a, <laughs> I can't think of his name, but it's a household name now. Chan- Chris Hemsworth. Was it, it Chris Hemsworth? I was going to say it's Channing Tatum. Is it Chris? And in, in Cabin in the Cabin in the Woods? Yeah, yeah it's, it's Chris Hemsworth. It's Chris Hemsworth. Um, so they, uh, I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, he wasn't known. And I think he, uh, he dies relatively early in the film, right? And I, they kind of don't remember. Tried to put him in it more because mm-hmm. he was just a good-looking, you know, the captain of the football team, relative nobody at the time they made it. And then I don't know if he had done Avengers yet, or but but he was starting to get heat, and they thought, well, we've got. I think maybe was Thor it. before Avengers? Yeah, they did Thor before Avengers, right? Like we got to put more of that guy in this movie. So I think it was right around the time that Thor came out that they released Cabin in the Woods, as as my memory, if my memory serves. Yes. So, uh, I mean, I recommend this. I think that there's a lot uh, going on here, and I do feel like it was a very ambitious movie that maybe didn't quite hit the mark it was aiming for, but it does aim high, and there is a lot to love in this movie yeah. uh, it's always a little crazy looking back on stuff that is sort of cgi heavy you know if you go back and watch terminator 2 again i remember when i saw that liquid metal guy for the first time in the cinemas it blew my mind i was like that's crazy and you watch it now and you're like that looks like garbage <laughs> at the time it was nobody had ever seen anything like that before that uh these effects 
they 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 play um but you do sort of see the stitching in a way that you just wouldn't know yeah um you brought up and this is i'm gonna derail us here for just a second but i read a really interesting thing um about terminator 2 this week i just randomly saw um so james cameron said that i'm looking for this quote here sorry um so with terminator 2 he chose to have the the villain be a cop you know he's in, he's in a you know he's uh dressed as a cop during most of the movie the t what is it the t1000 no something like that um so james cameron said the terminator films are not really about the human race getting killed off by future machines they're about us losing touch with our own humanity and becoming machines which allows us to kill and brutalize each other cops think all non-cops are less than they are stupid weak and evil they dehumanize the people they are sworn to protect and desensitize themselves in order to do that job wow yeah uh, in what so that was did he say that <laughs> in what context yeah in an interview or yeah it was in an interview from i guess from that time because it's a it's a snopes wow. thing i i guess like around the time of uh the black lives matter protests there were memes that that were going around that it was james cameron saying that and um i just saw a blurb about it and so it's on snopes like if you know if that was real that he actually said that and he did um I just thought that was really interesting. Very interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I never really thought of, you know, some movies you just watch and it's just like, okay, it's just, you know, it's about time travel or whatever. I never really thought of that, of the Terminator movies as having symbolism or anything like that, you know? Well, I never needed them to. Right. I think the best science fiction movies resonate in a way because they deal with things that that uh they they, they create social harmonics mm -hmm. with you know blade runner franchise is basically the robots are people they're made people right but they're not made out of some different material than people are but we just assume because they aren't born they don't have a soul they're less than even though in many ways they're greater than physically and mm -hmm. intellectually and everything else right so so it really it's like the sneeches <laughs> some of them have stars on theirs and some of them have no stars and it's like otherwise it's exactly the same thing but they differentiate and are very cruel to each other based on these superficial differences you know that's more explicitly a part of the blade runner franchise although that's not the implicit storyline it's usually one person trying to find another person either because he's got to kill that person or protect that person uh, terminator i think works as a as a as a kind of a detective movie in the same way science fiction movie mm -hmm. um but that stuff i just thought was just brilliant of the evil terminator to dress like a cop because you don't assume the cop comes to your door asking questions. You don't, you're a little afraid of the cop, but you also 
are trained to explicitly trust the cop and he doesn't right. go to black families houses yeah i can't think of too many black characters in that movie no, no. but that would have definitely created really interesting you know and they said that it was right around the time of um uh I guess it was like right around the time that the film was released. So it wasn't like James Cameron planned this, but it was when, um, who was the guy that the, the, the police beat up and then the riots and everything happened in LA? Rodney. Yeah, Rodney King. So it was right around, and it, it, was, it was almost sort of like James Cameron was like, see, you know, this is what they do. Um, but for me, when it comes to symbolism, if, you know, the the creator, the writer, the filmmaker, or whatever, can intend their work to be whatever they want it to be. Sure. But if no one understands the symbolism, I mean, how many people were watching, have watched Terminator 2 over the last 30 years and be like, yes, this is about how we're all desensitized to violence and, you know, we become violent and all of this. I, I don't think anybody... Maybe someone was, but I can't imagine too many people are like, yeah, that's what I got out of that. If the tree falls in the forest. Yeah. There's nobody there to hear it. Doesn't make any sound. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we kind of, I guess we drifted away from death becomes her, right? Yeah. I just, you brought that up and I thought, oh, this is, I just found that really interesting. So yeah, I would definitely recommend this movie. I mean, it kind of hits all the, this is kind of in my wheelhouse. I like horror comedy. You know, I like, you know, most of the things that Robert Zemeckis has done uh, kind of until he got into the sort of weird CGI stuff, but Beowulf and and that, but um, his live action films, um, you know, I think most of them are, are pretty great. So, yeah. And, you know, if you primarily just know Bruce Willis as an action guy and Meryl Streep as a as a dramatic actress, it's really fun to see the two of them and, you know, Goldie Hawn, you know, doing these broad comedic parts. Yes, I concur. Yes. So get some popcorn, sit down, watch this movie with yourself or your friends, or I don't care what you do. Just, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> your style. So do we think we want to do, do you want to do um, Cabin in the Woods next? I mean, I didn't premeditate it. Do you have something else locked and loaded? That Another you that I thought of while you were talking uh, or while we were talking, um, you brought up Peter Jackson and one that I have always kind of wanted to revisit because I watched it and didn't really like it much uh, in the 90s was, did you ever see The Frighteners mm -mm. with Michael J. Fox? No, although now it's ringing some bells like I remember that it happened. Are they mm -hmm. kind of like Ghostbusters? Is that what they are? He can, as I remember, it's like he can see ghosts. And that's kind of all I remember about it. I, like I said, I didn't, it was one that I didn't like. It's like mid 90s. Um, you know, it's Peter Jackson post um, all the, you know, meet the feebles and all that kind of stuff and pre Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, let's do that one. Okay. I, I always prefer one that I've not seen. I think. Yeah. Although I do like revisiting, you know, the, this is uh, Cabin in the Woods, not a super deep cut. And we can always come back to that. Yeah, we can always come back to that. But, but the Frighteners was definitely one that at the time I just, 
it just didn't click for me and i and i i didn't like it much then but um I, so i think it'd be fun to do great we are going to do the frighteners for next time please join us for that adventure chris and chris talk movies at gmail.com that's our handle we are on uh, the YouTube. We're on the socials. We've got pop podcast apps going on here. We got everything. We got everything. Like us, subscribe us, make us comments, and tell us that you like what we're doing. And uh, recommend uh, good suggest things to watch if you have ideas for sure things you would like us to talk about on our one hundredth episode here. And uh, we have grand plans, not that we want to promote alcohol consumption, but I think that Chris and I may uh, plan to watch something together and record as we watch it. So a very vibe episode and imbibe possibly more alcohol than either of us really can reasonably soberly handle. And probably not the uh, our sponsor. No. Uh, <laughs> Athletic Brewing Company. Too many. Gotta pick, yeah, we got to pick a an alcoholic version, not a. Yeah, you have to drink a lot of non-alcoholic yeah. beers to. And I don't know yeah. about you, but I, I it can't be drunk history for me. Okay, that's too. I can't get blotto. But uh, okay, think, drunk history, man. Commentary will certainly <laughs> get the recreations they do on that show. I just watched one. Uh, I just watched one the other night. Do you know who Jenny Slade is? Yes. Yes. Uh, sure. Have you seen the one with her? I think, yeah, I have. Yeah. She's just really adorable. You know, so yeah. she's just, uh, that one's really funny. Yeah, this little voice. She's yeah. so like this. There's another guy, I think in the same episode, I'm not sure what the guy's name is, but he is, uh, he's so drunk that he's on the floor. <laughs> and the host guy is like trying to give him something to eat. I, I forget what it is, but the guy's just like, he's just like, give me a minute. And then he like he continues talking, like just lying on the floor, like kind of face down in the carpet. It's I funny. mean, yeah. On the one hand, I feel bad, sort of, because it's you know it's alcohol poisoning. Uh, I, you know, I hate to celebrate people doing that to themselves, but it is funny. It's a genius idea. I mean, it's such a simple. Just take funny people, get but them drunk, getting the people. So then they take the. For those of you who haven't seen the show, they have you know comedians for the most part come on the show with a guy and they sit in his living room and one of them has studied up on a particular episode or person um usually it's a person i guess uh, or like an event in history event. like the signing of the declaration of independence or something uh, have studied up on the actual history and then they 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 get drunk mm -hmm. like pretty drunk really drunk and this person then recounts the thing in that state. And that alone is a little bit of a grab bag, but that alone can be funny. And then what they do is they cut to these kind of quote unquote historical reenactments a la the History Channel, where yeah. they really put some budget into it. Like they, they get big awesome. stars too. That's yes. And they got funny, they got other funny people who have sometimes been hosts uh playing a blinken and everybody else right but it's the person so it's like if it's jenny slate doing abraham Lincoln, she's like so abraham Lincoln, goes, you don't understand what i'm talking and then it's but they have then so you have a guy playing abraham lincoln with the beard and everything and it's mouthing her words all her audio so then yeah. they, they basically 
deliver the line instead of playing it straight they like adopt the as though that's exactly what they said in the horse mm-hmm. and i can't uh it's not, this is not translating but it's really funny oh yeah it's not always 100 perfectly funny but when it hits it's oh my god it's fall out of your chair funny yeah it's great <laughs> highly recommend drunk history yes. So yeah, we keep getting off track. What, what are we doing? Frighteners for next time? The Frighteners, yes. Give us a comment and uh, presumably it's streaming somewhere. I can't imagine it's not. It's Michael J. Fox and Peter Jackson. I hope it is. Sometimes we've bitten ourselves. If you know, if we show up next time, we don't do the Frighteners. That was that's what happened. It's like oops. But, uh, oops. The frightening. The Frighteners. Are you checking it right now? Yeah, I'm just doing a real quick check. I just Google watch the Frighteners online and it usually comes up with a whole bunch of places where you can. 1996. It's on Prime Video. So great. It'll be, you know, if worse comes to worse, we can, you know, rent it. Sure. Rented a few of these, rented many. John Aston is in that. Hmm. D. Wallace, Jake Busey. Wow. It actually has a really good cast. Arlie Ermy. Oh, good old Arlie Ermy. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Should so I that'll know? be two horror comedies in a row. Two horror comedies. We're going to do two. So thanks for listening and watching us Thank today. You. And uh, anything else to add before we sign off? I think that's everything. Okay, that'll do her. Then Chris and I will talk to you next week. Bye.